Hello, I'm Representative Matthew Dowling, serving the 51st Legislative District in Fayette and Somerset Counties. And thank you for joining us on this special Facebook, YouTube, or via WMBS 590 AM and 101 FM radio. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about our restaurant industry and how the effects of COVID-19 and the restrictions that have been put in place have affected that industry. Joining me today is uh, one of my colleagues, a fellow state representative, Torn Ecker. Torn serves in the 193rd Legislative District in Adams in Cumberland County. Torn, thank you for joining us here today. Thanks for having me, Matthew. It's a pleasure to be here, and uh, you're on the other side of the state, and uh, I think we have both have a, a, our same issues we're dealing with, both, uh, and I'm happy to join you today. And uh, With me today, I'm, 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 I'm a pleasure to have uh, one, of, one, of, one of my constituents from my area, from Adams County, Jessica Nows who is the event planner and outdoor sales manager for the Round Barn, historic Round Barn. It's a beautiful facility in Adams County. She also helps out with her family uh, brewery that just got started a couple of years ago, the Thirsty Farmer Brew Works. So I'm happy to have Jessica announce along with me today as well. Well, we, we thank well, we, you, we Jessica, thank you. for being with us. And then our final guest today uh, is someone that many people in the Fayette County area or Somerset County area may recognize. That's John Salurel, the owner of Maryland's on Main. And he also has Maryland's of Morgantown, which recently opened in Morgantown, West Virginia. Um, we are on the heels of a important House Policy Committee meeting that happened in Harrisburg, where we talked to a number of restaurateurs um, and those in the hospitality industry about some of the restrictions that have been placed on the industry. We recently saw um, heightened restrictions where we went from a 50% uh, allowable occupancy level down to a 25% occupancy. And that's one of the first things that I wanted to talk about. And, and John, maybe you could help us do the math. Um, I know that the 25% occupancy in your restaurant, that's one of the restrictions that the governor and Secretary Levine, the Secretary of Health, have placed. 25% um, also includes your staff, from what I understand. Um, so uh, tell us a little bit about how many people you can actually serve in a restaurant like yours under these restrictions. They currently, you know, we have a 200 seat capacity in our restaurant. So when you look at things to that nature, we're allowed to have 50 uh, people total in there at any given time. So with that, you know, we have a pretty large staff. Um, we do everything in our restaurant is all scratch made food. So we have a larger kitchen staff than you normally would for a heat and serve like you would at a bigger box store. Uh, with that being said, at any given time, about 35 people, the 40, just depending on the amount of staff we have. Going from that, uh, having 250 people in there, you know, with staff included, uh, usually our staff is about 50 people total that we have in there on a busy Saturday, Sunday uh, event. And about the same for our area down in Morgantown, but we're fortunate to have 50% down there capacity uh, with a little bit less restrictions, but Pennsylvania is really really hurting us and hurting the restaurant industry by continuing to, to decrease the amount of allowable occupants in our restaurants at any given time. The surveys right now show that Pennsylvania is uh, the 48th uh, in terms of restrictions, meaning that there are only two states that have more restrictions than us. Uh, you operating in both West Virginia and Pennsylvania, uh, you noted that you're still allowed to be at 50% occupancy in West Virginia, 25% in Pennsylvania. What's the difference between 25 and 50% in terms of profitability? There's a there's a major difference in terms of profitability. Um, you know, in restaurants, one of the things that you always look at would be, you know, how fast you can turn your tables. Um, you know, and that on a Saturday or Sunday or, or Friday, even on our busy Mondays where we have night down there too, 
you know, it's the rate and the amount that you can turn your tables. Ultimately, you'd like to turn your tables at least three times in one night from a 5 p.m. to a 9 p.m. time frame, which is usually busy times on those days. You know, looking at it now, you know, you're maybe able to turn them one total time and shrink that capacity down. So if we're having 150 people come through the door, we may be able to serve 450 people in that night. You know, right now, what we're looking at is if we're lucky, we're able to serve 90 total. So if you take an average ticket cost at a per person, that's about $30 to $20 a person, you know, with apps, drinks, and food, uh, main courses, that's an astronomical loss. So if you're looking at 200 people lost, that's, you do the math, that gives you a, a lot of money, which you're missing out at $30 a head. So, you know, you take that into account over a total of three days span and then times that, you know, times a four week or five week area, you're losing a lot per month. And we've seen roughly about a total of 20% total sales compared to what we were at this point last year. So, I mean, that's a, that's a detriment, you know, when you're pushing six figures of sales, you know, I can't give you the exact details on what our sales are, but if, you know, if you do a gross sales of six, seven figures, that's a, that's a lot of income that these small restaurants are losing out on, you know, every month and every quarter and every full annual term. So that's a lot of money that you can, you just can't make back up, you know, especially some of the ones that are, you know, down in Morgantown where they're looking at, they're still feeling the effects of, especially on the lake area, you know, they only have a shortened season to where they'll only be able to operate and really make their money that's going to supply them for the whole year Well, they're closed down or they're not getting the amount of capacity that they need to be able to sustain themselves for the whole year. You know, we make most of our profits in the range of, say, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, you know, and then those summer months are a little bit slower. So for us, you know, we haven't really seen a decline in our sales. We've actually seen an increase in our sales since we've been open for the past four years, except up to this point with COVID, you know, we've seen a drastic, drastic drop in our sales. Um, and those are sales that we won't pick back up, but we still have all the same cost, if not more cost than what we had before. People aren't taking into account the cost of additional cleaning supplies where we're cleaning for every 15 minutes. Our staff does an impeccable job of cleaning our establishments. Uh, but, you know, extra masks, extra hand sanitizers, extra gloves, extra cleaning products, for our kitchen, for our floor area, you know, those are all things that start to add up. And uh, when you're in a decline in sales and then you have more additional costs on top of that, it really, really puts the screws to you when it comes to trying to operate your business. Well, I, I want well, to get back to, um, to how we can operate safely and how our restaurants in Pennsylvania were operating safely, but we'll get back to that in just a minute. One of the things that uh, brought us to today's conversation um, is that there was a recent survey that was put out uh, or study that was put out by Yelp saying that over half of the businesses, the restaurants that are currently shut down due to COVID or unable to operate in full capacity will no longer exist um, here in just a couple months. So they'll be forced out of business. We talked a little bit about the, the capacity restrictions in restaurants, but Torn and Jessica, I want to talk a little bit about uh, private events because that's what you guys deal with. Um, or Jessica, that's what you deal with. So maybe tell us a little bit about your restrictions and how that's hampered your industry. Sure, thank you. Um, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. I'm going to paint a very honest picture for you. Um, when the pandemic begun and we knew we had to make certain changes and alterations into our daily lives, hey, I'm all about it. I wanna you know, make sure that I'm safe, my neighbors are safe, et cetera. Um, fast forward through all the things that we have done 
whereas we've rescheduled events, rescheduled weddings, or rethought how we're going to serve our customer base, which means that we may have smaller events that can still fulfill that same um, goal to get married, but do it in a different way. Then we move to our green phase where we still have restrictions. We still know we have to you know, wear masks in certain, certain, um, certain circumstances, et cetera, um, still keep our facility clean, all of those things, great. I'm all in, sign me up. I still wanna be able to continue to have events here, but do them in a safe way. The last restriction that came through though, I have to say of all the people that I work with and know, I'm the type of person that is ready to make a change, be flexible, jump in, come up with different ideas. This last one, that put me over the edge. Um, what am I going to do now with these people who I promised we are going to make modifications or accommodations to you, but we can no longer offer you the ability to get married in a month? I think a lot of folks in our situation in the restaurant industry and in the um, just the food service industry, hospitality, we're very frustrated. We don't know what we're going to do to get through this. I've gone from having, um, I had one wedding in the summer so far and I usually have about 15. What it's done and how we can move forward from this, I do think that the restrictions on the capacity, for example, uh, that is one thing that we can do to, again, still be able to facilitate events. My capacity for my space is around 600 people and now I can't have 25 people in a barn with an 80 foot ceiling and, a, and vents all around that is ventilated and I consider a very safe place to partition out and socially distance. I can't do my you know, weddings any longer. This last one was very demoralizing. Um, what we, again, what we can do is talk about increasing the capacity. If we could go to a percentage of our original capacity, I would be very happy to still facilitate weddings and do so in a safe and mindful manner of our, our guests. The other restrictions that have to do with, um, again, people wearing masks, I have to think about people's health conditions, et cetera. Um, I do think that, again, just being respectful, wearing a mask is fine, um, but in an outdoor vetting set, setting, an outdoor venue, I do think that we can work with those guidelines, again, and still offer the services that we promise to do so with our customers to start out with. And I will mention that just from these last restrictions and the way they, they were given out, the fact that we had less than seven hours to think about how we're going to change our whole business for the next day, that's not okay with me. Um, and another thing that I know has been extremely difficult is not only does it demoralize the owners out there and the people trying to do the right thing, it demoralizes our staff to the point where now at the brewery, every single time we serve a new customer, they have to tell the customer, we have to serve you food with your alcohol. Every single time, imagine doing that, you know, 500 times a day, however long you're open, however people come in and out of your business. It's demoralizing for our staff, it's frustrating. It frustrates some our customers too, who can blame them. So once again, I'm kind of at a loss as to what now, what can we do? 
So any help or any any voice that we can, again, um, use to get to our legislators and to the powers that be that make these restrictions is important to us, especially those who are small business owners who are trying to do the right thing. Well, and I think that's why Representative Ecker and I are trying to facilitate this conversation today as well as some other conversations so that we can bring light to what's actually happening within the industry. One of the things you mentioned, uh, Jessica, was masks. And, uh, and John, I'm gonna go back to you with this question. You know, as a business owner, your license, your liquor license, your, your license from the health department is on the line if you have customers, not just employees, not wearing masks. So it puts you in the role of policing. And, and let me be the first to say, if masks work, then let's wear them. Let's, let's you know, do what we can do to help out the rest of the community. Um, I'm not sure that it needs to be an edict from the governor. Uh, I think that people just genuinely should, should wanna help their neighbors. But that said, it, it really bothers me the predicament that you're in as a business owner where you could lose your, your liquor license, which is of great value, or your license with the health department. So John, tell me a little bit about your feelings on needing to police your customers. We signed up to serve food and uh, serve a great atmosphere for the general public and the people. We signed up to be police officers. And that is one of the things that, you know, the state is regulating and making us do. Um, if you get somebody in there that doesn't believe in the mask and they come into your place and you tell them it can't happen, uh, they will get a little rowdy, you know, and, and then you're faced with, what do you do in that situation? You know, I, I just saw uh, just a step off for a minute where Walmart itself went through and deregulated their policing because there were so many issues across the United States with people being violent and active of not wanting to wear it or, you know, people being inside their store and being aggressive towards those that weren't wearing it. So it's a double-edged sword. You know, you're if you don't do it, you're going to lose your liquor license. If you do do it, you could upset somebody and they could hurt somebody, and we don't want any of our employees to be kind of danger. So you're really in a catch-22 there on exactly how you do it, how you enforce it. There's no real guidelines on what you're supposed to do, but if somebody refuses, you know, you can call the police, have them come out. Sometimes, depending on what officer shows up, they may go through and just tell them to walk out or they may give them a citation, but you don't really know what you're going to see from one day to the next. We have our family garden center. We have will come in this past year uh, here early on in this this stage and the individual came in we had a sign out there everyone needs to have a mask on well the individual went up to my mom and went and shook his hands in his in her face got combatant with her and you know and it you know we're talking about an elderly woman that is out there just doing what the state is asking her to do and this 40 year old gentleman comes up and sticks his hands in her face and then comes out with with cow birthing gloves up to his elbows and then a mask on his forehead, one on his chin and one down on his neck, sticking his hands in front of my mom's face. You know, and that's the type of situation of things that we're facing here in the business world. And it's just not the bars and restaurants. Um, but to get back to what you're asking, your direct question, it's it's a double-edged sword. I mean, if you enforce it, you can get in trouble by the customer. If you don't enforce it, you can get in trouble by the customer. If you, if you enforce it for the way that the state wants you to enforce it, then, you know, people may not want to visit your your establishment, so you're doomed there already when you're already at 25% capacity. And then, you know, if you don't enforce it properly, then you're going to lose your liquor license that are extremely hard to get, extremely hard to come by, and you pay an astronomical amount for them. And for the small business guy, it doesn't make any sense because we pay max amount. If you can take a chain store that comes in, and because there are multiple, multiple stores, they can buy one for $1,000, $2,000, 
where me as a local businessman wants to buy another one, I have to pay the market price, which could be twenty, thirty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars. So you know, when you have that much money invested, you're not going to lose two hundred thousand dollars into a liquor license because someone's not wearing their mask properly. So you may lose a customer, and you may lose a potential returning customer again and again over just doing what you're asked to do by the state. And if you don't, you're in fear of losing your liquor license. I, I think the crux of what I'm hearing from restaurant owners from across the state and restaurateurs is that they want to be able to do business. Um, the governor had recently asked the federal government to p supply some aid to these businesses, uh, which may be necessary because of the restrictions that exist right there, right now. But I think what is most important to note is that business owners and the restaurateurs want to do business, and not only want to do business, but to do it in a safe way during these COVID-19 times. And I recently uh, came across a press release from the state police, the Bureau of Enforcement for Liquor Control, um, dated July 27th, so it's recent. Uh, they did 1,709 uh, license checks on COVID issues. So they were checking for masks. They were checking for all the COVID-related mitigations. Uh, and they only issued 64 warnings. Uh, and none of the violations uh, resulted in a, a loss of license or anything like that, which says to me that restaurants are, are abiding by the edicts that are out there. They are listening to the rules and regulations. And they're trying to be responsible uh, to themselves and, and to their customers and their clientele. Um, Representative Ecker, do you want to weigh in on what you're hearing from some of your restaurants uh, on the other side of the state? Yeah, I mean, to that point, Matt, to what you were you were talking about there, I think that 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 report is pretty telling that the industry, the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry is trying to do the right thing here. They are absolutely uh, committed to protecting their customers. They, they're equipped for this in every type of way. Uh, cleanliness and healthiness is is a key to their industry. And and they're already built for this. This isn't like a manufacturer or some other uh, some other industry who isn't isn't always adept with having to clean everything all the time. Uh, so that number there improves that in fact the hospitality industry and the restaurant industry is doing their part. I think we have a few bad actors out there, and I think uh, some of the, the the groups out there that advocate on behalf of restaurants have come out pretty strong. That we need to go up to those individuals, not shut down whole industries and, and do these widespread closures like that we've seen with the restaurant industry uh, here. I think especially Fayette County, Adams County are very similarly as, as far as the makeup, uh, rural areas, and, and we have some suburban areas. But generally speaking, we're not Allegheny County. We're not uh, Philadelphia County. You know, we we don't have the, the cases aren't as high there. So um, I think a lot of the folks that I've talked to is they ask, well, you know, our numbers are pretty low here. Why do we have to be under the same uh, requirements seem seem stringent uh, guidelines that a place like P Pittsburgh or Philadelphia has to be. So that that statewide approach, which we've now you know, the governor's taken, I think is really frustrating to restaurants and 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 and, and, and event planners and everything in between, because it's it's just it's such a difficult task to really grasp. Like why, why us? You know, why are we why are we targeting this industry? And uh, and I think that's it's just the helplessness sometimes that some of these folks have, whether it's uh, you know, I've talked to a couple different restaurants and that have also have wedding uh, venues that got less than a day's notice to tell the brides that weekend that they couldn't have their wedding because they want to do the right thing. They want to follow the rules. And and I, I think that's just extremely frustrating for folks um, in our parts of the state. You know, the at, at our recent hearing, the Pennsylvania Restaurant and Lodging Association, to, to speak to your point, mentioned that uh, no industry 
um, aside from perhaps hospitals, are as well trained and regulated as restaurants and event spaces um, because they're always dealing with those health regulations. They're always um, next to be, to be inspected, and, and they have those constant ongoing uh, processes in place. So they're, they're able to react very well to a situation like this uh, with COVID-19, and they're able to adapt to the type of cleaning that's needed. Uh, for our guests that are with us, uh, John and Jessica, I want to ask you, Representative Ecker spoke about the bad actors that are in the, in the industry. Would either of you have any objection to additional uh, regu regulations or a crackdown on those restaurateurs or those uh, venues that aren't following proper protocol? Uh, what's, what's your opinion about uh, the bad actors and, and how we police them? That's a tough question. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you this. Um, as far as um, venues go, uh, I can tell you that there are folks out there that are looking at ways to still facilitate events um, and follow guidelines and try to kind of work within, you know, the guidance that's been given as vague as it is. Do I consider them bad actors because they're trying to, again, make something work out of nothing? I, I don't know. Um, would I, you know, if somebody came in here, refused to wear a mask in Thirsty Farmer, um, and we asked them to leave and say there was an inspector that just happened to come in at the same time. Um, I would certainly hope that at least our compliance or intentions behind it were taken into consideration. So I think that because this is putting so much responsibility on the business owner, I, I really don't know how to tell you how to, how we can, should police ourselves, you know, there's so many unknown factors here, and I think we can all agree with that, that you're already putting us between a rock and a hard place. So what the, what the answer is to that, look, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm just being honest. No, no, no. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. And, and I think one of the issues that we've heard with many of our uh, restaurants within the industry, many of our venues, is that, and, and you alluded to this earlier, the, uh, the requirements are changing so quickly. You know, as members of the General Assembly, our leadership team was told a few hours before uh, the restaurant uh, occupancy dropped from 50 to 25 percent. Um, the Pennsylvania Restaurant uh, Association, they were told about the same time we were, and it went into effect that evening uh, at midnight. So there really isn't a lot of time for people to even understand uh, what some of the regulations are. So I, I, I know there is, uh, there is a difference, though, in, in my mind to a certain extent, of people that are just blatantly disregarding um, regulations or CDC guidelines and people who are working to try to understand them, but maybe don't because of the ever-changing environment. I think I'd like to touch on probably two or three different topics on this is, you know, going back to, uh, to one thing about safety of the restaurants, you know, all restaurants are required to you know, go through a whole serve safe program. Mm -hmm. um, it's required by the state, certain areas and others, it depends on, you know, the city of Uniontown might be more restrictive than the next uh, actually once and requires but 99% everyone requires to have to serve safe program which is making sure your restaurant your food the way everything's handled everything comes out quality safe and so the consumer comes in there and they're fully protected so on top of that we're already putting in another safety measure which is safety measures that are put out based with the gloves the mask all the additional cleaning instructions all that stuff on top you know uh, as long as these restaurants 
doing it. I think you can't afford another restaurant that's trying to be a rebel. I think they're trying to be a rebel or another bar. I think what they're trying to do is just maintain it and get to a living, you know. Um, it'd be the same as if, you know, you ran out of diapers and you ran out of food for your kid and you had no other way to get it. We, you know, the last thing you want to do is go steal something. But if it means supporting your family and doing what you need to, you know, I think at that point, I don't really see that as a crime. I see it as a point of people trying to do what they need to do to survive. And I think that's what these mm -hmm. restaurants aren't really trying to be rebels. They're just trying to survive, doing it whatever best way means in a safe environment that they know how, you know. And, you know, it, it's easy for, for, you know, to sit back and do a Monday morning quarterback situation after something's already happened in the process of it happening you got to really look at what how bad this is really hurting this industry you know you look at a business that they got to worry about their rent they got to worry about their food costs they got to worry about their employees making sure for me that every employee gets a paycheck on time because they have families too that need to eat they need to buy diapers they need to buy food for and how are you fight all these you're doing that at any and then you look at the seven hour time frame that this governor goes through <coughs> Now, he gives it out on a Tuesday, and I order my food that Monday. And I know I need 40 steaks for the weekend. So I buy 40 steaks. Now my capacity gets shut down to 25%. Now I'm sitting on an already increased profit or already increased product that went from $18 a pound to $28 a pound on the steak. Now I'm only able to sell 20 of them because my restaurant got, capacity got shrunk down to 25%. So now I'm sitting on 20 extra <coughs> at $28 a pound that were normally costing me only 18 before this pandemic before this, but I'm still trying to keep my doors open, but he's only given me seven hours to go through and cancel my product, which I can't because it's already coming on the truck. How can you do that when you're doing with perishable items? You can't, you know, and it's, you're already, now you're talking about, well, are these people going to be rebels? Well, of course they're going to be rebels at this point because now they got all this product that they're going to sit on that they're going to either have to eat, spoil, or freeze, or do something with, and some of this product you can't freeze. So when you look at that kind of thing, you're thinking, man, how do, do I blame this person or this business for doing what they have to do to try to not eat this cost, to let them go even more in debt? You know, and uh, I just, with thinking about it, that's the only answer that I can provide you when it comes to, you know, what these restaurants or these bars are doing. I don't really think they're intentionally trying to hurt anybody. They're not trying to go through. They're just trying to make a living the best way that they know how with the compound restrictions and that's what this is compound restrictions and that's what people need to understand is everything compounds down to this bottom line dollar that's already a short margin that you know you maybe make 10 to 20 percent overall if you do everything right and that's your bottom line net actual percentage that you're going to be able to make you know and and here's a couple things that i want to point out which people i don't think understand um, these are some factual things as far as the economic impact within the state we're already talking about economics and why these people are developing you know, the total economic value of the impact of restaurant industry is $2.5 trillion in our economy. That makes up for 4% of the entire total GDP of America. If you look at the expanded value of that, it comes out to about 33% of our total GDP in the United States comes from some other type of market, from a trickle-down effect that comes into this. You know, you're looking at 9 in 10 restaurants have fewer than 50 employees. So these are 50 paychecks that you got to worry about constantly trying to provide for. Then you have seven in 10 restaurants are single operating unit individuals. They're not big chains like the rest. So they're seven in 10 are out there trying to make a living and they're facing all these restrictions. You know, and, and out of that, you know, you have 17.2 million jobs currently for what was held across the United States on the restaurant industry and bar industry. 
you know, I took a drive through Pittsburgh just to drive through because I read the article from Yelp that 60% of all restaurants that are closed won't open, and I wanted to see for myself. You know what I saw? I saw a complete devastation in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just got ranked last year as the number one destination eating destination in the entire United States. Number one city to go to to eat. How are they going to, you know, cultural type thing? These, This isn't going to be that way anymore. If 60% of these people have to shut down their businesses, this isn't going to be a tourist destination in one part of our state. That's decimating that completely out, you know, of getting that honor and having to lose it. You know, and I'm sure with Philadelphia, Philadelphia is known for a lot of great foods and a lot of great products, and they're not going to be there, you know. Yep. And, and then yep. you, what I'd like to touch on what uh, Rep. Eckler said was, you know, you can look at Forest County. Forest County had seven total cases. Out of those seven, only one were confirmed. So if, if that's the case where only one is confirmed and only seven, why are there restrictions within that county when only seven people in the entire county that make up? Why are all these businesses being punished? You know, it's like uh, I spent a lot of time in the military. I, I served for 21 years. And out of that, I looked at it. You know, if somebody would do something, you'd punish the whole group. You know, I feel like that's the way the restaurant industry is getting right now is we're just punishing the whole group. And it should be, let's go through, if somebody does do these violations, take into account, understand what's going on, punish accordingly, but don't punish the rest of the group for one bad apple in this whole whole. Absolutely, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, I do apologize. I do apologize. We, uh, we actually have to wrap it up for today. This is a conversation that we, we aren't able to finish in just one set down, but it is a conversation we need to have quickly because from the testimony that I heard earlier this week, um, many of these businesses that we talked about, that 60% that may never reopen, uh, if we don't do something before the snow flies this year within the next two months, um, their fate will be set in stone. So we have just 30 seconds left. Representative Ecker, uh, any closing comments from you, sir? Yeah, Representative Dalion, thank you for letting me uh participate in this and then and, and bring our perspective over from uh, the south central part of the, the state and i'd like to thank jessica for, for being here from thirsty farmer the round barn uh i know there's a lot of challenges folks are are under right now but we're gonna we're gonna keep advocating for the restaurant industry i know it's been a full court press for matt and i and uh and we're gonna keep pushing back because you guys know how to police yourselves Hey, uh, this is Representative Matthew Dowling of the 51st Legislative District in Fayette and Somerset Counties. I thank you for tuning in today on Facebook, YouTube, uh, or WMBS 590 AM 101.1 FM. And thank you to my guest today. Uh, if you'd like more information, visit my website at www.repdowling.com or find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Have a great day.